Welcome, everybody, to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. I'm Dustin Rubio, part of the Limitless Leadership team and youth pastor at City Church Swansea. And I'm Tim Alford, National Director of Limitless and volunteer youth leader at the Source Church Malvern. And this is a conversation designed to help youth leaders connect, think, and grow. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. I'm genuinely excited about the guests that we have with us today because we have Dan and Charlie Blythe, who have been here with us at Limitless Festival, where we are recording this episode, not just for this month's episode, but for next month. Dan, Charlie, welcome to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Uh, Give us a little bit of context for who you are. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourselves, what you do uh, from a a day-to-day. Yeah, hey man. Thanks so much for having us on the show. Just want to start off by saying we love what you guys are doing here at Limitless. It's phenomenal. Uh, and just actually seeing what God did last night in the youth tent and the young adult tent. Like it's, uh, you know, we get to travel a little bit and what's happening here is well significant. significant. So uh, thanks for having us. Right, pleasure. We uh, have been married seven years. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get to head up the Youth and Young Adults at Hillsong UK. And uh, every day is different, but we get to work with some of the most phenomenal people on the planet. And yeah, we absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, I also work for A21, which is an anti-trafficking organization. So it's a global charity that works to abolish the injustice of modern slavery today. So I've been there about five years now as the UK director and love it. It's cool. Brilliant. Um, But you didn't, I know for you, Dan, uh, at least, you didn't start uh, doing youth work at Hillsong. You've been doing it for a a whole number of years. Tell us a little bit, both of you guys, a little bit about your your journey in youth ministry and some of the different contexts you found yourself working with young people. Yeah. So uh, my mum and dad got divorced when I was 11. Neither of them Christian, but both of them encountered God separately, remarried Christian partners, got involved with the local church, which was amazing. But from the age of 12, all I heard was like the rules, what you can't do. Uh, You know, I didn't get the whole relationship with Jesus and because there was no youth work in the churches where they attended. So um, my teenage years, I was distant from God. But I did know that God existed because I'd seen what he'd done in my mum and dad's life. Age 18, I went backpacking in Australia to party and party hard. But on my first week, I uh, met some Christians and uh, they invited me to church. And I could see something different about them. Like I live for the weekend. They live for something much bigger. I live for the moment. They live for significance. And when I asked them, why do you live the way you live? They just said Jesus. So I knew I wanted a relationship with him, like the real, raw, authentic Jesus. Made a decision to follow Jesus. Did one year of Bible college, which was like a detox because my teenage years were so messed up. Second year of Bible college, God started putting it on my heart to actually help young people in the UK as I had no role models in that area when I was growing up. Came back to England and um, didn't know any churches, didn't know any pastors. I knew my mum and dad's church and I said, Do you, would you take on a youth worker? And they're like, no, nah, we ain't got salary or you know, we couldn't even support you. So I was like, all right. So I looked in Christianity magazine. Uh, I don't know if you guys have read that, but in the back, there's this section called jobs. You read that chapter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to see what the salaries are. Yep. <laughs> so I, I flicked through and then there's one which said, how would you like to be part of this youth ministry in Canterbury? Um, helping young people. I'm like, never heard of Canterbury, but let's try it. So I went for an interview and the, the pastor was a phenomenal guy. Uh, but like, I realized that maybe theology, doctrine were quite different. Um, some people in the church have come from, uh, you know, brethren backgrounds, uh, you know, even sensationists didn't believe in the gifts of the spirit and stuff. So quite different to what I was exposed to and what I even believed. So I was going to say no to the job, but then the second half was going to Pizza Hut with the youth. With 30 young people, we went to Pizza Hut and my heart broke for those young people. I knew that this was where I was meant to be so I did that for four and a half years in the middle of that met Charlie at Soul Survivor one day I was going there to seek God but 
you know, just came across Charlie. She was at Hillsong, ended up at Hillsong because she was there. And I've been involved in youth ministry now for about a decade. And we've been leading the youth ministry now for about four and a half years. Yeah, four and a half years. Yeah, so it's been great. It's been awesome. Fantastic. So we want to talk to you guys uh, a bit about relationships. In next month's episode, we're going to have a conversation about how do we help to disciple young people, help them to navigate the minefield that is negotiating relationships as a Christian. How does that look different with the Christians in our youth group, those who aren't Christians? How do we, how do we help them? And so that's coming up next month. But we wanted to start by talking about our own relationships as youth leaders, whether that's our, our friendships, uh, whether that's our dating relationships or our married relationships. Because what we know about youth ministry is that it's demanding. Uh, we know that we are pouring ourselves out into the lives of our young people. We know that it's busy. Uh, we know that things, uh, pastoral things can come up at the drop of a hat and, uh, you know, best laid plans lay bare and things have to change. So I'd love to know, let's start talking about married relationships, dating relationships. How have you guys, and now you've been married for seven years, in the busyness of, you know, A21, Hillsong, youth ministry, different kind of ministry. How have you invested in and protected your relationship? And what could... Uh, listeners, our youth leaders out there who are thinking, I just don't have time for friendships, I don't have time for relationships. How could they seek to invest invest in their relationships? Yeah, uh, it's such a good question. I think it's so relevant because I feel like our relationships are getting dictated to us by our, our phones and communication is becoming less and less face-to-face and more and more um, through text. But yeah, statistics say that when it comes to communication, 5% is words, 45% is body language, and 50% is tone of voice. So I could say, hey, Tim, thanks so much for having us at Limitless. It's been great. Or I could be like, oh, hey, Tim, thanks so much for having us at Limitless. It's been great. I've said the same thing, but I've said it in two different ways. One of them has used body language and tone of voice, and the other one hasn't. And so for us, we need to just to make sure that we have FaceTime. And when I say FaceTime, I don't just mean using the app. I mean literal FaceTime, uh, where we're sitting down together and maybe we're chatting about how our day is or maybe we're chatting about some of the deeper issues in life. But we actually had to plan this into our diary. And I know maybe you've heard of date night and it's a little bit cliche, but actually it's so significant. If you don't plan in the time to have in your relationships, then uh, the busyness is going to dictate your diary for you and you're not going to end up having those meaningful relationships. You're going to have fickle surface relationships because you have invested in them and at the end of the day like if you get if you're in hospital or if you're going through a hard time in life you might be doing a lot of stuff and you might be doing some great stuff for the kingdom but there will be a time when you need people you need people in your world who are going to help you as it says in proverbs 27 verses 17 is iron sharpens iron so a good friend sharpens a friend but if you don't invest in those relationships and sharpen people then there won't be people who sharpen you in in the time when you need it so i think for us we just we we have we have planning meetings where we talk about finances and we talk about sex and we talk about all those issues which maybe just get pushed aside and we make sure that we're communicating to each other about the stuff that needs to be chatted about yeah i think like for me you know 
you're pouring out so much in work, aren't you, and in youth ministry and in church and stuff, but you have to set aside that time where you're getting poured into as well. And I know for me, you know, I get recharged around my friends, you know, my good, solid friends. When I'm with them, that recharges me, that energizes me to enable me to go out and do what I need to do in the areas and the spheres that we're working in and stuff. And like Dan's saying, if you're not putting that time in to spend time with those people that pour into you, that sharpen you, that recharge you, then you're actually going to be effective in what God's actually asking you and calling you to do. And so, yeah, like I look at my week, I plan it out. I look at, you know, what nights am I out maybe doing youth or church stuff, what nights are the work stuff. And then on the nights that I've got off, I sort of need to, I guess, look at my diary and think, okay, is this a night where I need to be in and just spend some time with God and recharge that way? Or actually, I haven't seen... I know this friend for two weeks and I know that I get so much out of spending time with her so actually I'm going to schedule that in so I really plan my diary in advance those uh, catch-ups you know I don't have many spontaneous catch-ups where it's like hey are you free let's get a coffee because I don't ever get time for that and so I have to set aside nights and sometimes that might mean sacrificing something else but I know it's well worth it in order for me to be effective in what I need to do and there's almost the danger that as people are listening it's almost like, well, if, if we kind of plan it that much, particularly in our dating relationships, or marriage, doesn't it take the sheen out of it? Doesn't it take the romance and the spontaneity out of it? But actually, I love you enough and I care about you enough yeah. to prioritize you over whatever else might come up. And, and so I think we've got to change that mindset a little bit, haven't we? As we grow up and as we mature, and when we were in our late teens, maybe we had the time where we could just call up our mates and say, hey, let's all go hang out yeah. tonight. We just can't do that now. Yeah. Um, and so we, we prioritize, we you know, plan, we protect. It's good stuff, it's good stuff. You mentioned about, Dan, you mentioned about, um, you know, as, as iron sharpens iron, so, so one friend sharpens another. Charlie, you mentioned about your good friends that recharge you. Um, how do you, being in a married relationship and prioritizing time with each other and in busy ministry, how do, you, how do you make time for friends as well? And how important is that to you? And let me ask you this. Is it for you about friends that you spend time with together as a couple, another couple maybe or, or whatever? Or do you also have times where, Dan, you hang out with your guy mates, or, you know, Charlie, you hang out with your girl mates. Do you have those times as well? And, and how, do you, how do you kind of protect those if that's what you do? Tell us a little yeah. bit how you work friendships and marriage together nice well i think life in general is more like an olympian so uh, an olympian has a time for training and then they have a time for running and sprinting and then they have a time for celebrating and then they have a time for rest so making sure that like for us anyway and you gotta understand like there's different levels of leadership so there might be people who don't have to live like this because you've got a lot more time so make sure that what I'm saying is like if it's for where you're at but for us like we know there are seasons when we can have way more time with our friends than others and it's not that we love them any more or any less in that season but we just understand that everything is seasonal so when we're leading up to like let's just say a massive gathering or a big event we know for those two weeks we might not get any time with our friends but we just had a conference last week so now we're spending loads of time with our friends even going on a holiday with our friends so we we know that our time with our friends it's definitely seasonal but for me, my time with my lads, my mates, and Charlie's time with her girls, like it's so significant, so important for us. Uh, and it's just because, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, with lads you can chat about lad stuff, and for girls you can chat about girl stuff. And I don't need, to, I don't need to be the the person that Charlie chats 
to everything about like sometimes we think as a partner and spouse you need to tell everything to each other but like if Charlie's got some issues that girls can sort out that's fine I don't need to be the one that's going to help her through those things and likewise some of my things like Charlie I don't want to just dump a load of stuff on her that she can't cope with and that's just going to disillusion her with ministry or church like a lot of stuff she doesn't even need to know and it's not me hiding stuff from her it's just me knowing that actually me sharing it with someone who's maybe further along the journey than I am can actually give me some wise advice and can actually bring healing and restoration to that certain thing where actually Charlie wouldn't actually need to know that thing yeah it's important to balance how much you're spending time with your spouse and how much your partner and how much you're spending time with your friends because each one gives you something different you know what I get from my friends isn't necessarily what obviously I get from Dan and vice versa and so that's why it's so important for me to manage that effectively and uh, like Dan saying we, we do have friends which are couples we're really blessed like our best friends are actually couples so that's good we can all hang out together and then I've got my friends that you know the girls that I go out with and and I see and make time for if you're not doing it equally and so if you're for example spending all your time all your free time with your spouse you're not hanging out with your friends you're not going to have those friends because uh, friendships relationships they're built on spending time together you know the love languages you've got gifts haven't you and uh, what are they like quality time and words of affection and acts of service but the reality is some of those love languages you can actually probably manage without like I know uh, one of Dan's love languages gifts for example but if I don't get him a gift uh, love is still going to continue and our relationship is still going to thrive but ones like quality time I can't afford to sacrifice that. If I'm not spending time with him, our relationship is not going to grow and we're not going to be able to love each other effectively. And it's exactly the same with my friends. And so I literally try and even out that quality time effectively. So I make sure that I'm spending time with the people that I want to do life with. So I'm building into them. They're building into me. So does that mean that you have to say no to things to prioritize that time? Does it mean that you have to say no to ministries it mean you have to say no to young people sometimes to protect that time that you have together and when do we know when actually I'm being asked something of here and I can say no and how do we know actually this seems like you know we had a date night plan but this is this is serious and I've got a I've got a step up to the yeah. plate how, how do you discern that how do you know what to say no to to protect your time together um, in fact the mature we've become the less pedantic we've been about date night, in fact, what we mean by that is that we can just do date night another night if something comes up which is significant for church and ministry because we know each other that well we know we can we can just shift it around so it's not like it has to be this night and if it's not this night, marriage is going to crumble like there's a maturity there but um I, we say we say no to many things, but I never say no to anything which is about the youth the young people and all that kind of stuff um, the reason is because at the end of the day, I, I look at my day, I've got like a 14-hour day. I don't do eight-hour days. And uh, it's biblical to have one day off, um, you know, but these days we think we have to have two days off. But it's all about whatever you want to do. Like, I, But for us, I do six days a week. I have one rest day, one Sabbath, and I go, you know, 10 to 14 hours a day. And that's why I don't have to say no to a lot because I just use a lot of hours. You know, the things I say no to is like me watching a new series on Netflix. Like, I love watching Netflix and I love watching series, but if there's something I've got to say no, it's, it's like... Like some of my little like fun stuff you know that maybe I can live without because I just I love what I do and I'm and, I, and I'm, I'm energized by what I do but that's me you know the president of America 
not everyone's going to be the president of America, but he knows. He has to say no to a lot of different things, and his time's very different. So it all depends on the level of leadership where you're operating from. And not everyone has to do the same thing. But I know for me, the way I can say yes to a lot of ministry stuff is because I just maximize my hours. Like, isn't it nuts that, like, Beyonce and Steve Jobs, when he was alive working for Apple and Walt Disney, like, they put in hours and hours and hours, but not because they have to, not because it's the expectation, but because they just love what they do. And in the same way, I pour in hours into what I do because I just, I just love it. And uh, because of that, you know, I just get to say yes to a lot of stuff. Um, but it's not, it's not for everyone. But I just think it's funny how like sometimes in church, the culture has been that we put in the minimum. I've done my eight hour day and we think it's clocking on and clocking off. But when did Paul in the Bible ever clock in and clock out? Like he was like, he was called and he just went and he did whatever he did for the ministry. And I don't think, you know, I think he said yes to a lot of stuff because he loved what he did and he just prioritized like the ministry. Can it can it get too much though? Can it get to a stage where uh, you're just saying yes too much, wearing yourself down, burning yourself out? But in the context of the conversation we're having, in saying yes too much to ministry, we're saying no to our friends. We're saying no to our spouses. Can can it can we swing the pendulum too far? in the other way yeah that's such a good good point um so like i was talking about before like we're like olympians right so i know there's times for running and times for resting but when i talk about saying yes and no i only say yes to things after i've said yes to my my marriage first and i've said yes to my friends so i actually i mean i have an order and when i say friends like a lot of us are on the journey together like our close friends are in ministry with us and I think there's, for us, it's it's kind of helpful. Like, Charlie and me, like, even if Charlie might not be leading the thing I'm leading, she's still at our leadership nights, and she's still about, she's still involved, and I think actually trying to do as much of it together, even though it might not be quality time, it's still kind of like, you know, you're experiencing the moments together, and so any opportunity you have where you can do that kind of produces fruit. Let me ask you just about one more kind of relationship then, Charlie, and see, see if you guys have this kind of relationship in your lives and how important it is to you and that is the relationship with somebody who speaks into your life not a peer but more of a mentor someone who you can go to who you can be really honest and vulnerable with who you can go to with your struggles who you can ask for advice who's maybe further on in years and experience and wisdom do you guys have that person in your life and if so how important has that been to you? And, and, and for any listeners who don't have that person, how would they go about finding that kind of input into their lives? Yeah, I think that's so important. Like I said, if you want to be effective out in the field, you need to have someone that you can be accountable with, that you can chat to, um, that you trust, that you can talk about real issues that you're going through. Because if you're... If you've got no one to talk to about that sort of stuff, like you were saying, you're going to burn out. You're not going to be effective. Everything will come become overwhelming and that sort of stuff. So it's so important that you have that person in your life that you feel is investing into you, sowing into you, making you a better person, that is speaking into your potential and not just where you're at right now. Because it's full on, isn't it, ministry? And it's full on with what you're doing. And so you do need that person that you can stay in check with and stuff. And I think making time for that person is really important if you haven't got that person in your life it is your responsibility to find that person and I think I say that to our leaders a lot they say no one's mentoring me or something like that you hear that and 
I say, well, who have you approached to mentor yeah, you? Because who, in, you know, find someone that inspires you. Find someone that's maybe a couple of years ahead of you. Find someone that you know that when you're around them, you you feel good and you learn from them and they build you. And then, and then ask them. Because I guarantee you, nine times out of ten, they are going to want to do that. Like, if a young girl came up to me and said, would you mentor me? That's the biggest honor. That's the biggest privilege. I'm mm. not going to say, no, sorry. Uh, I don't feel like doing that with you. I'm going to be like, that's so great that this girl wants to learn um, and glean some wisdom from me. And I think it takes us being proactive in finding that person, going out there, and then being proactive in making time for that person. Because again, I hear like, my mentor's not meeting with me. Okay, have you contacted them? No. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right, okay, well maybe start with that. Uh, Why don't you contact them and see when they're available? And again, it's that planning in advance. Schedule those times in. So if you know that you're most effective when you're meeting them with monthly, then plan those meetings three months in advance because that's going to make you more effective in the field. The responsibility for that sort of stuff is on you. You know, you can't expect to always be spoon-fed. You can't expect someone always to be you know, coming to you and sorting you. You need to be proactive in sorting yourself out and making sure you're healthy and effective. And uh, getting someone in your life that can help you with that is of paramount importance, I think. Yeah, that's that's so good, Charlie. And I I think what we're saying there is don't say people's no's for them. Yeah. And sometimes we think, don't we, if if there's someone we really look up to and admire and respect, that if we were to ask them, they're bound to say no. And you're saying their no mm. for them before mm. you even ask. But actually, the point you're making is it's a privilege to do that. I'm mentoring a couple of people who asked me to mentor them. And I really enjoy it. Yeah. I really I lo- I love, I love doing that and seeing yeah. them grow and seeing them become who, who God's made them to be. Yeah. You know? And so if you're listening and you, and you don't have somebody who's investing into you, mentoring you, don't say their no for them. Find that person who inspires you. Ring them up. Call them up and say, hey. Uh, let me ask you, uh, would you consider this? Uh, you never know what might happen. This is a, just such an important conversation, and the thing that's come into my mind as, as we talk is that moment when um, it, it's, it's the Last Supper and Jesus is talking with his disciples, and it's like, you know, I kind of always think this is an important thing because it's the thing he wants to leave his guys with. If you remember one thing about my teaching, I'm about to be arrested, I'm about to be taken away, I'm about to be crucified. This is our last good chat together and this is the thing I want you to remember. And he says, he says this, he says, by this will everyone know that you are my disciple. Not if you do great youth ministry, not if you run great events, not if you've got great programs, not if you've got great discipleship courses. It's if you love one another. And I sometimes fall into the trap of feeling like when I'm at work and I'm planning the next event or when I'm with my young people and I'm doing my youth group, that's the work I do for God and it is. But then when I get home and I'm with my spouse or hanging out with my friends, that that's like me being selfish. But actually, that's when we're doing the work of God. Mm. Because the, the one thing that Jesus wanted us to be known by was how we love one another. And so we don't clock off from ministry when we clock off from youth work. Mm. Um, and so when we're investing in, in our relationships with our friends, when we're investing in our relationships with our, with our girlfriends, boyfriends, fiancés, husbands or wives, we're doing the work of God. We're doing the ministry in those moments. And so for our listeners, uh, don't feel guilty is what we want to say to you about investing in your relationships because that's how people will know that you are his disciples, not by the youth ministry you do, but how you love one another. Dan, Charlie, thanks so much for being with us this month and uh, look forward to our next conversation. Yeah, great. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. We want to make sure that the Limitless Leadership Podcast is tackling the issues that affect you in youth ministry. So email us at info at limitlesselam.co.uk to let us know the issues you'd like us to discuss. Stay in touch with us on social media. We're at Limitless Elam on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, and YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or however you get your podcasts. See you next time.